Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. In Matthew, Jesus asked his disciples, Whom do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elijah, some Jeremiah. Some say you're a prophet. But God has never really cared too much about what the masses think of him. He said, whom do you say that I am? This is what is important to God. Whom do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I have given unto her, the church, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This series, The Church Is, is a series of keys to the kingdom of heaven. A key opens doors to things that otherwise are shut off from your life. Each one of these that we explore is a dynamic key to the kingdom of heaven. Today, the church is generosity. Generosity is a key. It opens an area of kingdom life. And without that area of kingdom life, You're shut off from every blessing that flows out of generosity. Can I just say this today? That many of us talk about generosity. But you ever noticed how the word is much easier spoken than it is lived? So we have to take a different look, a different approach. We have to have a a completely different dynamic when it comes to generosity. Not just speaking about generosity, but living generosity. The dictionary says generosity is being kind to others. Generosity is being plentiful with others. Generosity is being large with others. If you've been around here long at all, you have heard every person that has ever graced this pulpit and received tithe and offering say that our tithe is our obedience to God, but generosity is our privilege. So generosity is not only a key to the kingdom of heaven, it is a privilege that God has given you. Not only to bring your tithe, but to bring your offerings and your generosity. So how did we become a generous church and a generous people? Because the church is generous. 
It was fully intentional in the conceptualization and founding of City of Life Church. I remember when Janice and I started it almost 38 years ago, that we wanted to aspire to become a church and a people of generosity. Therefore, we had to make decisions about what the church would look like. First of all, generosity is not an event. Generosity is not a program. Generosity is a lifestyle. You can give a great offering to heart to the house once a year, but that doesn't make you a generous person. Because generosity is not an event and it's not a program. We do PRISM. PRISM is a program. We sponsor school backpacks and we do the angel tree. We have another program, Compassion International. And we support hundreds of children. And we take care of them and pour literally millions of dollars into that program. We have hands to the world for over 20 years, eight villages in Central America that we support. We do our own version of PRISM there in another way. We do over 500 backpacks this past year to the children there. They go to school free, but unless they have uniforms, they can't attend. We supply them all with uniforms. We do our own version of Angel Tree. But can I tell you that that is a program, that is an event, it is not a generous lifestyle. A generous lifestyle, I call it kind of the red light solicitation industry. That I get money, my wife and I, every week for the red light solicitation industry. And we keep cash in our pocket. And when we roll up to the red lights, we know their names. We, my wife knows the names of their kids. She knows everything about them. And we always have a little something for them. Somebody says, well, they just go down and, and buy booze with it or, or buy a, a, a dope with it. Well, it's not my concern. God called me to be generous. He didn't call me to inspect what they do with it. You know, I've heard people say, I'd give to the church, but I don't know what they do with it. It doesn't concern me what they do. I'm just a generous person. I have to give. I have to do what God's told me to do and let everybody else be responsible for what they're responsible for. And I dare say, if I was to see them come out of 7-Eleven, we know their names, I won't call them, with a little brown bag and a, bar, and a jar of beer in it, drinking their beer, I'd still give to them the next week when I see them again. There. I took care of that, didn't I? But all of these are events. They're programs. They're not lifestyle. The kingdom life is a life of kindness toward others. That's the key of generosity. It is a life of kindness toward others. Generosity is a life of plentifulness toward others. Generosity is a life of largeness expressed toward others. Jesus came to this earth 
to die that he might unite us with the Father. But he came to this earth to live that he might unite us with kingdom authority to live life. And he wants it to be a generous life. Generosity is kingdom living. It is a kingdom lifestyle. So let's talk a minute about Janice and I when we decided we wanted this church to be a church of generosity filled with people of generosity. So what does that look like? There are two imperatives that you have to understand when it comes to generosity. Only two. I don't have five points today. I have two. The first imperative is you have to develop a mindset of generosity. Because we're driven, our mindset is the impetus behind our lifestyle. Therefore, if you think it, you behave it, and you live it. So it all starts with thinking. It all starts with mindset. So if you get the key of generosity, which is a key to the kingdom, that opens doors in the kingdom that no other key will open, if you get that mindset and develop that mindset, it's the most important thing in your life. You say, well, why do I need it? Because you cannot achieve a million-dollar dream with a $10 idea. You can talk about generosity and all of these things all your life, but until you begin to develop a mindset where it affects your behavior and affects your lifestyle at every single day, that generosity flows out of you. Nothing is more important than that mindset. So what does it do? Imperative number one, developing a mindset. When you begin to develop a mindset, you start developing an internal programmed thought process. An internal programmed thought process. Computers are programmed to respond in a certain way. When you develop a mindset in the greatest computer that exists on the earth, right here in the solical man, when you begin to develop that mindset, that mindset affects your behavior, and your behavior will in turn affect your lifestyle. The first aspect of this internal programmed thinking is private speech. What do you say to yourself when no one else is around? Because private speech is one of the foundations of developing an internal programmed way of thinking and developing a mindset for the Lord. David said in Psalms 19 and 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. He, he was saying, may my spoken words and my unspoken words, the revealed, the concealed, the visible, the invisible, the seen, the unseen, the tangible, the intangible, the external, the internal, the committed, the omitted. He said, may my lifestyle match up 
with what I say with my mouth. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Let my lifestyle match up. And you know, in many cases, we talk the talk, but we don't walk the walk. It can only be a key generosity to the kingdom of God if we talk the talk. In Isaiah, God said, My people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honor me with lip service, but their hearts are far from me. They talk the talk, but they don't always walk the walk. He said in 1 Peter, They have a form of godliness, my people. They say the right thing, but their hearts are far from me. They don't walk it out. In 1 John, he said, they say they love God and they love me, but yet they hate their brother. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, the Pharisees are hypocrites. They're like whited sepulchers. They're shiny and beautiful and clean on the outside, but inwardly, they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Jesus said in Matthew 7, The Pharisees are hypocrites. They talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They say to you, let me get the splinter out of your eye while they have a beam in their own eye. He said, you hypocrite. First, cast the beam out of your own eye that you might see clearly to cast the splinter out of your brother's eye. Matthew 5, 13, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor or its flavor, it is fit for nothing to be thrown out and trodden under the foot of men. In other words, if you're not a doer of what you say, your life is insipid and bland and tasteless and flavorless as a Christian. He said, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Does a man light a candle and then hide it, does he talk and say all of these things and light a candle but hide it under a bushel or a bed? No. He walks it. He puts it on a light stand where it gives light to all that are in the house. So let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's why your private speech is so important. David said the words of my mouth and my private speech, the meditation of my heart, the things I'm saying to myself on the inside. You see, the spoken word and the unspoken word are powerful. May my lifestyle, David said, line up with my mindset. So many of us talk about it, but we don't walk about it. They speak of generosity, but you observe very little signs of generosity in their lives. The second part of the mindset that you must develop of generosity, first is private speech, and then second is thought talk. Thought talk. You know, you talk to yourself in your mind. You say all these things to yourself. You repeat a lot of things people have said about you. 
You know, people told you certain things about yourself in your life, and in your thought talk, you talk to yourself like that. And it's all about life's appraisals. How do you, in your thought talk, how do you appraise your life? How, what value do you put on your life? How do you see yourself in Christ Jesus? And do you see yourself in the fullness of everything he's decreed and declared concerning you? Well, what has he decreed and declared? That you're children of God, and if children of God, heirs of God, and if heirs of God, you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means when you invite Christ into your heart by the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings all the gifts of the Spirit into your life. Jesus brings all the offices of the kingdom and the church into your life. God the Father brings the operation of all of those gifts and all of those offices into your life so the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you bodily, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What do you think about yourself and God? The third aspect is self-statements. Because your self-statements about yourself define you to you. You don't want other people defining you. You don't want circumstances defining you. You don't want life defining your outcome. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, that's your solical man, your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. As a man thinks in his heart, his internal conversations, his private speech, his thought talk, his self-statements. The only way your life is going to change is to change your thinking in these four areas, which will change your behavior, which will change your lifestyle. That way you can take the key of generosity in your hand and not just honor an event or a program, but you can live every single day showing that kindness to everyone, that plentifulness to everyone, and that largeness to everyone that God has called you to be and do as a generous person. It's internal program thinking. And so imperative number one is developing a mindset of generosity. Is everybody still with me? I hadn't lost anybody? Nobody fell off the wagon yet? Number two, I told you I only had two, right? That means I'm almost through. No applause. Number two, first of all, develop a mindset of generosity. Number two, implement the actuation of the mindset. So you can't just think it and talk it. You got to live it and walk it. Huh? Think it and talk it, live it and walk it. Think it and talk it, live it and walk it. James 1.22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So what did Janice and I do? We sat down with our three little original board members, all of which have passed on to be with the Lord. They were so sweet, so precious. We sat down with them. And we implemented a plan of action for our church. 
to become a generosity-driven church. We set budgetary priorities in place to deal with all discretionary money. You know what I love about that? If you got $10 of discretionary money left over at the end of the week, that percentage is still the percentage. If you got 10000 left over, the percentage is still the percentage. When you intentionally make generosity a part of your church or a part of your life personally, it's programmed internal thinking. It's built in. It just works and does what it does because you've made room for it and you've made place for it. We set budgetary priorities. Just like you set an alarm clock. Any of you remember an alarm clock? For those of you who don't, you'd wind it up at night and you'd set that alarm clock. And when it was time to be generous, whew, the alarm clock would alarm. Colossians 3 and 2 said, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth. What are affections? They're your state of mind, your mindset. That is often associated with a feeling or a type of love that you have. When you have a love for generosity, for being kind to others, for being plentiful to others and, and being large with others, it's like setting that alarm clock. Every time you see a need, God just nudges you and that alarm clock goes off and you know that it's your responsibility to give and love on people. 2 Corinthians 4 and 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. It's the things which are not seen that are eternal. It's the things which are seen with your eyes that are temporal. Generosity is so important because you're laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. You're laying it up. Treasure on this earth can be wiped away in a moment, but every act of generosity is laid up in heaven and belongs to you eternally. I love Psalms 118. David said, open my eyes that I might see wonder, wonderful and wondrous things about me. Our physical eyes are open sometimes, but our spiritual eyes are not. That's why it's so important to not look at the things which are seen, but to look at the things which are not seen. David said, open my eyes that I can see spiritual things that are not seen. Because that's the power of God's Holy Spirit. You know what? A broken alarm clock is right twice a day. See, random generosity is like a broken alarm clock. You can be right every once in a while, but intentional generosity, where it becomes a key to the kingdom of heaven, is purposeful and it is deliberate. Can you say amen? Now, I had a text scripture. I just was going to do a little warm-up before I gave it to you. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says this. 
there is he, or there are people, that scatter, but yet they increase. What does that mean? People who understand the concept of the kingdom key of generosity, these are people that scatter. You, you've got the, the seed bag on the side, and you reach down in, and you take a big handful of seed, and you scatter the seed out. See, people that have a spirit of generosity are constantly scattering seed. They're constantly giving. They, they're giving. The red light solicitation industry, even there, you're always giving. You just always have to do something. You just can't sit back and watch the world go by. You have to get involved. You have to do something. So there is he that scattereth, but listen, but yet he increases. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit the natural patterns of life. If you're giving stuff out and giving stuff away, you should be depleting and losing your resource, but this isn't what God said. He said, in my kingdom, when you've got the key of generosity to the kingdom of God, when you scatter and you give away and you put it out, you increase and it comes back to you in greater number. That's why he said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will cause men to pour into your bosom." He said, there is he also which withholdeth more than he needs. You got generous people, you got stingy people. He said, there are those that withhold more than they need. They got more than they need, but brother, you're not going to pry it with a crowbar out of their hands. Then I love this in verse 25. He said, the liberal generous soul shall be made fat. Shall be made fat. And because he watereth and he soweth, he'll be well watered and much shall be sown into his life. Proverbs 11 and 24, there is he that scattereth did you know that's why Jesus became so angry with the rich farmer? You know, he had this enormous harvest. And he had so much that his barns, plural, he was blessed. He was prosperous. But his barns, plural, wouldn't hold it all. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns. And I'll say to my soul, soul, thou hast laid up much goods for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. You're going to die tonight. And then who will be the recipient of all of this that you have laid up? You know why he became so angry? I've told you this before. Because he didn't need bigger barns. He needed bigger faith. If he would have let his faith run before him and just said, wow, God meets every need in my life. I got all this. God, what do you want me to do? And God says, there's one, there's one, there's one, and you're just blessing and giving and scattering and sowing, and God's increasing. What does that mean? 
That means as soon as you give something out of the barn or as soon as you pour something out of the cruise of oil, one is the first birth, the natural representation. One is the second birth, the spiritual representation. The barn is emblematic of all of your accomplishments in life, all of your education, all of your wisdom, all of your knowledge in this world, and all of your wealth and all of, all of that. That's what your barn but your cruise of oil is your second birth. It's all the deposits of God, the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. He said, just give out of them. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy vats will overflow with new wine, which is indicative of the oil of the Holy Spirit. And it'll be inexhaustible and replenishable if you do it the way I tell you to do it. It'll always increase. It'll never decrease. There is a belief point in the kingdom that espouses a kingdom principle that a person may grow rich. And you may not like this, just erase it right out of your Bible. Just mark it out. That a person may grow rich by sowing and scattering their seed and their increase. Yet at the same time, God said the generous person shall be made rich because he has watered and sown, he will be well watered and receive much seed. 2 Corinthians 9:10 from the seed giver, God gives seed to the sower. So as a corn, a little kernel is put in the ground. You know, you can put it in the barn, you can put it in the ground. You put it in the ground, it produces a stalk. The stalk produces three to five ears of corn. So the one little kernel of corn produces hundreds of kernels. That's the principle, the metaphor that, that God uses here in his word. That if you'll scatter, if you'll sow, if you'll be generous in kindness, generous and plentiful, generous and largeness to everyone you see, God will bring that increase into your life. That's why he said in John 12, 24, except a corn of wheat, one little grain of corn, falls into the ground and dies, it, abi it abides alone. But if it dies, you keep it in the barn, it's, it's dead, it does nothing. But if you put it in the ground and it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, now he that ministereth, Seed to the sower. That's God. If you're a sower, you're a scatterer, you're a person of generosity. The Bible said God's going to minister seed to you and increase to you. How? But he'll minister bread for your food. He'll take care of all your necessities. Hear me. He'll take care of all, or hear the word. He'll take care of all your necessities. Secondly, he'll multiply your seed sown. You'll sow a kernel, but you'll get back hundreds because three to five years of corn on that stock. And thirdly, he'll increase the fruit of your labor and your righteousness. Everything you touch, God will cause it to prosper under his hand. By the same token, there are those who withhold, as I said earlier, more than they need. Their actions, he said, leads to poverty. If you're a stingy person and you withhold more than you need, your actions will lead to poverty in your life. 
Haggai 1, 5, and 6, said, you have planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. You earn wages only to be put into a purse, that would be your pants in modern day, your pants pocket, that have holes in them. You know what he's really saying here? That when you choose not to be generous, there's a little gain in fishing in troubled waters. And you're throwing your line into troubled waters when you're not a person of generosity. The beauty of generosity is guarded by virtue. Some people have a wrong idea about generosity. They resent it. They think all people, are, when they talk about that and things in the Bible about that, all they're really concerned with is money. Listen, the beauty of generosity is guarded by virtue. It's a very holy thing. And we need to have a reverential awareness of the beauty of generosity. So can I end with a question? Is your seed in the barn or is your seed in the ground? If your seed is in the barn, you won't reap a harvest. But if your seed is in the ground, inexhaustible, replenishable. Kings rule by power. Prophets rule by words. It may be time to stop talking about generosity and develop a mindset of generosity. We love you so much. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.